Welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo from The Rep and Chris Easterling of the Maslin Independent. We're previewing this week's much-anticipated Division II state title game featuring Maslin and Hoban. Both teams 14-0, both teams highly state-ranked, Hoban being one, Maslin number three, and both teams have pretty much been on a collision course since August. Uh, we've been talking about this being a likely matchup, I think, in our very first podcast basically so uh as, as we look at that uh, guys what uh, now that it's here what's uh, the big thing jumping out at you well i think first off we're not going to get the uh you know we're not going to get Maslin at full strength because of the the injury to jameer thomas that that occurred late in the third quarter last week which is, is sort of unfortunate but um if you just focus on that injury i think it, it's it, it's sort of a it doesn't give enough credit to the other guys that you know. This wasn't a one-man Maslin team all season. It was. I mean, the, what made them great was not just one player; it was multiple great players. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, how they respond, how they try to make up for that that loss because. You know, even with Jameer, it was going to be a challenge because of of how good Hoban has, is and and has been. But you know, it certainly puts more onus on guys like Trey Morgan, Jaden Ballard, Aiden Longwell, and obviously Zion Pfeiffer, who's going to replace him in the backfield. Yeah, I think that's the one thing about both teams that makes them you know as dominant as they've been is there's five six seven guys that are division one recruits you know pretty much in the senior classes so then you've got all the kids that are getting the interest down in the lower grades so neither team has been a one-man show and they've got a lot of guys they can count on but it, it obviously maslin probably leaned more on thomas than hoban leaned on any one guy i would think be fair to say I think it'd be fair to say. I mean, because you look at. I mean, when you look at at Hoban's, you know, specifically the running back spot. Obviously, Tyrus Dickerson was, you know, thousand yard rusher, actually close to, you know, close to nineteen hundred yard rusher. But uh, on top of that, they, you know, Demonte Tranium. I mean, he's good. In, in in you know less than ninety carries is a twelve hundred yard rusher. Just imagine if they gave him a full complement of, of carries. So, you know, but but again, Zion is filled in for middle of last season. In fact, Zion Pfeiffer was Mass's leading rusher before he kind of went down with an injury, and Jameer really sort of took over the running back spot. You know, it wasn't really until last year that Jameer was even. Offense first, he you know he burst on the scene as a defensive player first couple of years of his of his his career. Joe, what were you gonna jump in? One with? question, I mean, I mean, you saw Jameer's value in the last two McKinley Maslin games was really physical, and you needed guys that could just slam it up in there. And um, I mean, that to me is the thing that you have to do against Hoban a little bit. And so, um, you know, how, how capable is Zion of, of doing that? You know, that's what you look back to last week. What salted the game away for Maslin was the fourth quarter where Zion Pfeiffer did exactly what Jameer did. I mean, Zion, 15 carries, 76 yards, two touchdowns in the last quarter. I mean, they basically they basically put the game on Zion's back, said, you, you know, you're our closer. You're, you're our Mariano Rivera. We're going to, you know, we're going to ride you to the finish line. And, and he, you know, 
four or five yards of carry. I mean, just steadily, you know, pounding the ball, like you say, just pounding it up in there. And, you know, he, he's – He's not as big as Jameer. I mean, he is. I mean, he's five seven, one eighty eight, but he is certainly capable of running. You know, he's a put your head down and run type of of back. He doesn't dance around, and you know, I think the big thing is it's going to come down to regardless of who was running the ball, it's going to come down to those five guys blocking up in front. Because, you know, Hoban's defensive line, much like their offensive line, is really good and really big. And it's going to be up to Maslin's offensive line, which is really good and really big, to be able to to give whoever is running the ball or, or throwing it a, a chance to, to do so. Chris, when you look at that matchup, I mean, I think most people would say that Hoban probably has that edge up front. Where is, where is Maslin better? Where do they have maybe an advantage? I don't think Hoban has placed anybody. There's no way Hoban has seen the receivers that Maslin has. Uh, there's just no way. I mean, you look through their schedule, and maybe Ignatius, but not even saying Ignatius, I think has that. I mean, two high D one, high end D one receivers like Trey Morgan, Jaden Ballard. Uh, so, if if Maslin can give Aiden Longwell time, I think. You know the the ability to throw the ball and, and you know maybe you know take the top off the off the Hoban defense with you know running Jaden Ballard deep or Trey Morgan on crossing patterns and and the like and and then even mixing in an Adric Ford or somebody you know that's I don't think Mass I, I think Maslin legitimately has an edge there if you know if they decide to, to throw the football because you know looking down the, you know down the the, the list of, of teams they played. I just don't see that really good passing team like what Maslin is. And the closest thing maybe Ignatius in week one or, or Wayne in week three. But outside of that, I don't know where you find the, the caliber of passing game that they have. And one of the things that's impressed me is, you know, earlier in the year, we were talking about how Aiden wasn't quite having the year maybe he had as a sophomore. And you haven't seen that in the last five weeks. That those You mentioned some throws. You'd be like, huh, where was he going? And it seems like he's stepped up his game a lot over the last four or five weeks and been that quarterback that, that everyone kind of was – not that he wasn't having a good good year, but taking that step forward. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of funny. We talked last week, you know, coming off of – you know, an injury that had you know everybody, everybody paralyzed with fear of like, oh, oh is he going to be able to play? Oh, he just goes out and has probably his best game as a as a tiger. No, even last week when when I don't think he got off to a great start. You know, I think he was something like two of not two of eleven to start the game because they decided to come out throwing the ball seemingly on every down last week. You know, he didn't get rattled. You know, he remained poison. I think that's the biggest thing is he's going to need that poise because, you know, you're going to, you're going to, there's going to be times where he's going to have Hoban defenders in his face and he's going to have to make it, you know, make a quick decision, maybe quicker than he has at any point during the course of this season in terms of getting rid of the football or, or, you know, tucking it and just sort of eating, eating it. So it's, you know, there, there's a lot. I, I think on top of the offensive line, I think Aiden's the kid who maybe shoulders more of the 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 weight 
now that Jameer isn't isn't in, in the uh, the picture this week. Looking at the mindset of Maslin, how, how much Chris does it help them that they did go through this similar situation with Longwell? They lose him in the midst of a game. They have to deal with that adversity, you know, right on the fly. And then there was that doubt of whether you know he, you know is he coming back the next week? How long is he out? Whatever. They had to kind of deal with that. This is a little different, obviously, because it is cut and dry. He's done. Yeah. But still, they've had to deal with some adversity in this playoff run to keep things going and had to have that example of a you know the backup stepping forward and leading them and playing well you know i think that helps i i mean i think any any little edge you can you can find helps i in fact i think just the fact that jameer isn't playing is maybe a motivational f- factor for them that maybe adds helps them out benefits them on thursday night because they i, I know they hear they hear the chatter you know you see it on social media and out there that well there goes Maslin's shot and you know again like we said at the top you know this is this wasn't a one-man team taking 1900 rushing yards away is obviously I mean that's not just dropping the bucket he's a career record holder for <laughs> I a mean reason. you know he is one of the greatest Maslin Tiger running backs of uh, football players of all time for a reason but but at the same time they have a, they're a great team and they've shown them to be a great team and really if you look at the playoffs Jameer's numbers in the playoffs the running game hasn't been as dominant in the playoffs as it was in the regular season. So I don't know how much you really change overall or on the fly if you're Maslin because really you've sort of shown during the course of the playoffs that you're riding on you know big runs when you you get them, but you know as much big throws from whether it was Zayden Longwell or Zach Catrone to guys like Morgan Ballard and Ford, and Dean Clark, I should say also. What, what sticks out to me is um, <laughs> I, I wonder how many years this Maslin team would have been a heavy favorite in Division Two. I mean, th- th- this is a unique year in that. I mean, not only is is Hoban a three-time state champion, but they're 14-0 for the first time in school history. I mean, this is a very special Hoban team, and I wonder how unique it is that they're playing an opponent this good at, at, in Division Two. You ask Maslin fans, and they seem like they feel like this is every time they get to this stage. <laughs> you know, 1980 and 82, it's Moeller when you know when they're in the midst of their their dynasty. 05, it's St. X, just on you know as they're rising to to be the you know the, the cream of the crop out of uh, in Division One, and now it, you know it's Hoban in the midst, but. Nine out of every ten years, this Maslin team would be one of the favorites. I would imagine, you know, the the way people are talking about Hoban this year as being arguably the best team in any division. I think most years, normal years, that didn't include this Hoban team, people might talk about this Maslin team in that same same regard. You know, again, no disrespect to a very good Coleraine team that's coming up to Canton this week. But, but you know, this is a really deep and talented Maslin team. And there's just this Hoban team out there that's, that is, is standing in their path. But, you know... To if if you look through the history of sports, it seems like those big title droughts, whether it's the Red Sox, Cleveland, 
Cleveland, the Cubs, you know, there just has to be that little adversity that you have to clear, whether it's an 0-3 deficit to the Yankees or 3-1 to the Warriors or 3-1 to the Indians, you know. Maybe this is is that adversity that, that Maslin needs to uh, to clear to, to end there, uh, you know, to get that, that Paper Tigers moniker off uh, <laughs> The off curse of the Paper Tiger to go away. <laughs> well, you know, you, as you're talking about it, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, it made me think of the thing you hear a lot in basketball, where, where in college basketball you have that behemoth, and it's like, hey, you only got to beat them one night. You don't have to win a best-of-seven series like you do in the NBA. Same thing comes to mind here. This isn't a best-of-five, a best-of-seven. You've got one time. Nate Moore's only got to give one speech. He's only got to get those guys to believe. Actually, maybe playing on a Thursday is even better. A, a short window of energy that you've got to create to get them to believe that they can do this and go out and do it. And then that's it. You're done. You don't have to sit and get them back up to, to finish it off. It's just that one four quarters of football. You know, and I asked him that on Monday, you know, when, when I sat down and talked to him. You know, I, I was like, is Thursday even a benefit? Because the longer you have to sit and wait, wait, you know the mind the, the the mind games that that anybody that right. anybody plays, let alone a group of teenagers play. You know, go out there. You know, you have less time to think about it. Just go out, play, and and, and you know what happens on Thursday night happens, and you know that that's all you can do. One a huge advantage, and it's going to play into that, is just the fan difference. I mean, Hoban has a very poor following. Um, I think we can probably say that safely. And, um, you know, and this is old hat for even their fans, too. So this is, you know, you not only get the Tiger faithful, but you get the fact that this is a special year. So what kind of atmosphere do you expect at Tom Brown or Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium? It's not Paul Brown Stadium this week. They have to, they had to leave Maslin for the game. Um, you know, I expect a, a huge Maslin contingent. And, but I, I'm, what I'm going to be fascinated is the, the neutral fan, the neutral, not from, you know, because I mean, look, look, let's be honest. You have a public school that a lot of people don't care for, and you have the private school which has a lot of people don't care. A for. lot of people now don't care right, for. Right. So it's do you get do you get those public school people say? Okay, I'm going to bite the bullet this one time and and root for Maslin because then join that throng of you know, which will be a throng of Maslin fans over there, or you know the, where do those fans kind of come down? In, 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 generally, in those situations, they go with the underdog. Yeah, or they get swept up in the emotion of the moment, and I think that's what you'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see Maslin having, you know. Having a big advantage in the crowd, you know, beyond just their own, their own fans. Who I I, have, I would guess there are some fans who've had tickets for this game since they went on since all session tickets were right. on sale. Right. The uh, game will be featured this week is the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio. Thursday, November 29th, we have the Maslin Hoban game on FridayNightOhio.com. Kickoff is 7.30 p.m. Broadcast starts at 7 with the old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, and Todd Porter provide the call for each game, and that's Thursday night's Maslin Hoban Division II State Final. One thing we were talking about 
about before we came on, uh, Chris, was was the schedules that each team played. And, and you think that, uh, again, maybe provides that little edge that, that could, you know, help Maslin when they get on the field that uh, Hoban hasn't played a lot of teams, been tested by a lot of teams this year. and probably not since week three really you know i'm kind of looking at their schedule right now and st week five st was for st with them is st v the only common opponent and the scores were reasonably close maslin beat them 35 7 hoban beat them 35 3 um the mooney and ursuline hoban played now these weren't vintage Mooney or Ursuline teams. No, these weren't the Joe Scalzo Vindicator Mooney and Ursuline teams. <laughs> Lake, Lake Catholic, I mean, I think they even replaced their coach this year. I mean, so, I mean, Benedict, uh, Benedictine, I think, was a playoff team or, or borderline playoff right, team. And they were real good a couple of years ago. But they, they, they weren't even those, you know, those Jerome uh, Baker type, you know, Benedictine teams. So, uh, you know, other than Ignatius and Wayne in the regular season, you know, you, you look at it and, and nothing, you know, there, there's not really that, that opponent. You know, Maslin didn't face – a lot of playoff teams, but I think East St. Louis was like a quarterfinalist. That was a really good team. That is a really good team. Late, later, mid to late season, and then obviously week 10. Week 10, McKinley, Warren, and Fitch both were playoff teams. Uh, you know, Warren, I mean, Warren's, Joe, you saw them. Yeah, they've got a legitimate Big Ten running back. I mean, they I mean, they, they were a legitimate playoff team outside of McKinley and Maslin. Nobody, they beat everybody else until they got to the playoffs. Uh, so, you know... I think Maslin's been tested a little bit more, even in the playoffs. Um, I know Garfield Heights was a really good team. Talking to Tim Terrell, he said, thought that if Garfield Heights had beaten them, they had a chance to be playing in this game. But other than that, I mean, I don't know how good Maple Heights really was. Avon. You yeah. saw them, correct? I year. saw them in a scrimmage. And, you know, Mike Elder has a great program up there, but, you know, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't Winton Woods. I mean, Winton Woods, I think, was better than Avon. You know, if you kind of Wadsworth, uh, Wadsworth, I think, is a really good football team. So, I think maybe Maslin just has a little bit of an edge on you know quality of of competition. Now, how much that you know, you give Hoban credit because they've done to they've drilled the competition. they've just drilled everybody right. i mean avon's the first team since week four to score in the second half on hoban so you know and they haven't given up double digits you know benedictine in week six is the last team to even you know get in the double figures joe bring you in here as he's talking i'm thinking back we joked about mooney but you covered mooney and ursuline when you were at the vindicator in the earlier 2000 and i think it was Mooney in particular had a really dominant team at that point in that run mm-hmm. that did come up short, though, in the state finals, if I recall. Yeah, what, I think it was 2007, I think. Yeah, because I, I think I remember and they uh, lost being cold at that water. game as well. It, what what was that flaw? <laughs> well, What was that flaw, maybe, that you didn't see developing in the season as they're just blowing away the competition it then reveals itself at the key moment well their best player got hurt in the yeah. second round of the playoffs Kyle McCarthy and the, nobody really noticed how big of a problem that was because the quarterback that stepped in was fine but they lost somebody in the back end of their defense and Coldwater hit a couple of trick plays and all of a sudden you're talking about teenagers here and I think that's what Maslin has to do 
get Hoban in a position where they're uncomfortable. Like right, where that, they're thinking. That Mooney team was built on dominating people, and when that didn't happen, and you had Keem and Coldwater that was not afraid at all, and most of those teams that they played were, that made a big difference. And, it, and one more thing I want to say, because this, this a couple years ago, Chris, I wrote a story for us about what it takes to win a state title, and there's a quote from Tom McDaniels, who won, a, won one at McKinley, and he said, what I always told my guys was that first kickoff and those first couple plays, I wanted us to hit as hard as we could so that people knew that you're going to have to bleed to beat us and that it was going to, and, and just set that tone right away. Yeah, I think that's that, that's very key thing right there against a team that's, you know, going to be considered a pretty big favorite you're playing. You know, you mentioned Coldwater not being afraid. I, I, I'm, I am confident that. Maslin hasn't walked into too many games where it's been afraid of of, of the competition. So, I, I you know maybe other opponents have played Hoban and, and you know there's been a little self doubt or something. I just don't see that with this Maslin team because you don't talk all season about ring chasing and 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 being that team unless you're fu- you're you're fully confident that. And fully aware of the, who you're going to have to beat to get that ring, and and, and I, 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 you know, I just I would expect something like Joe said, uh, you know, f- f- you know, quoting you know Tom McDaniel's, I would expect this this Maslin team to come out right from the start and show that hey, you know, we're you know we're here and, and and you know we're we're not we're not backing down we don't we don't care what you know Todd Sibley and and Danny Clark and all those guys they're not here anymore as you uh, you mentioned some of the past really good Hoban players final thing i wanted to kind of look at for this game chris was who are some of the guys that uh, you think for Hoban will stand out besides the obvious you know we've already mentioned the running backs who are some other guys that uh, could be really impact players for them uh, thursday night well we talked about defending you know Maslin's ability to pass a guy like matt salapek back into the you know back into the defense at free safety he's the know. career interception uh, record holder at Hoban. uh you know their whole secondary stalworth and jackson at the, the corners uh, training him at safety or linebacker wherever they're lining him up this time, you know I, I really think that back half of the defense is going to be key. And you know Shane Hannum at quarterback for them, you know I think he sort of gets lost in the shuffle. I mean as a sophomore, you know starting. I mean last year. He was a big reason why Hoban won last he year. He had a big state final. I mean, he had a huge state final after you know basically admitting that he, the minute he got off the bus at, at Benson, he had to puke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, but again, I think if Masson can get some pressure on him, you know, I mean, it's sort of pick your poison. You know, you get pressure on him, well. Are you opening yourself up for for you know Dickerson and, and training him to to really burn you in the run game? One thing I wanted to talk about, and if Maslin were to lose, and, and a lot of people think they will, there's a there's going to be a big what if hanging over this season, and it's that that lawsuit against the OHSAA from earlier this year that would have maybe struck down competitive balance, and maybe in midseason. You would have seen Hoban go back to Division Three, and it was a big what if. But you, you, I think if if Maslin loses this game, you know they're going to be like, what if we would have played someone else? And I think that's maybe one of those things that you think about. 
you know, I haven't really heard people talk about that lately because I think once whatever judge Supreme Court decision there was, you know, was seemingly a season ago <laughs> uh, happened, I think they're like, look, Oban's there, okay, and that's who that's who the Tigers have to get through. I think the bigger what if is going to be. Jameer, that's I agree. Uh, I mean, the, that the, is, the other what if is almost ironic because it's like competitive balance is to, is to move up teams that are dominating a division, and and really the argument would be well, Hoban probably should be in Division One, yeah, as opposed to going mm-hmm. from three to two, three to one probably would make more sense to people. And, and like you said, if it had been struck down, well, then they would have just stayed put in three where it would have been like ridiculous. Well, th- there had also been some, uh, you know, I had heard talk to some people who said you know it was borderline whether Hoban was actually going to fall all the way back to to division three anyways you know they were sort of a borderline two three regardless right. so be, depending on how the math worked out once you you know, you know once you you know you you, sh- you did all the shuffling you know maybe Hoban's still there but again regardless I think the bigger what if that that will hang over you know if if they were to lose on on Thursday is the impact of losing Jameer Thomas because it was an obvious it was obvious last week when they were the the first time all season I saw them really come out looking tight you know like the moment was sort of getting to them it was you know the second quarter just turning hand the ball off Jameer was that calming influence turned run the ball run the ball run the ball and that kind of got Maslin back on track, and from that point on, you saw Maslin play like like Maslin had, and and I I wonder, you know, kind of going back to hitting him in the mouth right off the start, it, does that happen this week? And how does what does Maslin do if there is that you know that that tentativeness that that didn't that existed last week? Looking at the the other title games real quick before we wrap it up, uh, you know I, I think this game definitely is the most hyped one that everybody's talking about. But there's some other intriguing players and matchups for for me. I want to see Markel Parks of Orville. I think he's got like 53 touchdowns this year. They play in the Saturday 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Division Five final. Orville against Johnstown Monroe. That's it's a guy I really want to see play. Anything that's jumping out a team or player that that either of you guys are looking forward to see besides Maslin Hoven. I mean, I was going to say, uh, yeah, the Orville game. Part, I think yeah, that's really I think fun. that's probably one that a lot of people are looking at. Yeah, I mean, you look at Division Six, and it's it's Marion Local against Kirtland again for the third time in four years, and it's kind of like ho hum. And then, I, I, you know, the other thing I would say is, uh, coming having spent time in the Honing Valley, that Gerard um, matchup. I mean, they got a quarterback that's just lighting up everybody. Is it Wade, yeah, Mark Wade, I yeah. think it is. And and so I would say from that standpoint, I think it's really fun. It could be a really high scoring game. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Hoban Maslin hangs like kind of suck the air out of yeah. the whole whole the room, right? D one interests me because you know you talk to people, you know, talking to people down in Cincinnati, they look at this Colerain team as one of the. They think it's better than the O four, the one that beat McKinley, the one that beat 50, McKinley, uh, 10, I think it was with uh, Mr. Simpson and and uh, Dominic Goodman and all those guys. In fact, beyond that, they think it's one of the best teams Cincinnati has had in a long time. And, you know, it's, 
you know, it's playing an Ed's team that I saw at the end of the preseason in the scrimmage, you know, struggle with Maslin. Now here it is, you know, showing that, you know, it, like it, it usually does, it gets better as the season, right. you know, they get better as the season, you know, goes on. Um, I want to see how they match up, you know, I want, because this Coleraine team has been just, you know, trucking people and, and, you know, can, can Ed's, you know, can Ed slow them down? And, and two does, you know, you know, there's only two, I think two private schools in the, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the, of the, in the seven finals, three, three, yeah, three Kettering Alter being. The oh, that's third. right. The, the game, one of the games I will be seeing. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's more than just Hoban Maslin, Chris. Really? That could shock to me. But, uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that, that Coleraine Eds game. That, that game beyond Maslin Hoban is intriguing to me. Division One has had some uh, real shootouts in recent years. So it'll be interesting to see what style of game it is. I, uh, you know, the higher scoring ones obviously bring a lot of interest in. But, I, I mean, I think Coleraine's defense, you know, Coleraine's obviously going obviously score a lot of points, but, you know, it's opposite, opposite, that triple option. A, you know, approach. Whereas I don't know if Ed's offense. You know, when I think of the Ed's team, I think more of their their defense than, than anything. But you know, they obviously have uh, uh, Quintel Cast. I think is the the receiver is going to Michigan. Uh, I'm trying to remember the quarterback's name. I can't remember off the top of my head. He came back from an injury early in the season. But you know, so if. It, you know, can, can Ed's hang with Coleraine? Because, you know, Ed's is the lowest seeded team to get to this point. I think they were like six in, in Region 1, and now here they are playing for playing for a title. Big weekend of football coming to Canton at Benson Stadium with all seven state championship games for Ohio High School football. And it kicks off with the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week powered by iHeartRadio Thursday, November 29th when it's Maslin meeting Hoban for the Division II state championship. Broadcast starts at 7 with the Old Carolina pregame show on FridayNightOhio.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository and Maslin Independent Sports Departments. Check back for another podcast following the Maslin-Hoban game. For Joe Scalzo and Chris Easterling, I'm Chris Bevan.